Good morning. Uh, <laughs> last night about nine o'clock, my phone rang and it said, Glenn. I thought, Glenn, it's too dark to play golf. What are you calling about? <laughs> well, his plane flight has been canceled and he had been trying to get it rearranged. He told me they were going to make it tomorrow, that is today. So he called me and said, Dennis, can you help me? So that's why you're here looking at me today. And his sermon would have been on the display, but all you got to look at today is my pretty face. So <laughs> here we are. The title of the message that I have this morning is The Wedding Banquet. Now, this is a parable that takes place late in Jesus' ministry. In fact, it's in the last week of his life before the crucifixion. And we're going to be looking at that and seeing what it is. But let me tell you a little story first. There was a family, and they had a small child, four or five years old, that was very intense on going to church and listening to what everything that was said and making sure they understood it and asking a lot of questions of the pastor or other people in the church. Well, this one Sunday, he knew that grandma and granddad was going to come to dinner also. So he said, Mom, Dad, I want to have the prayer at the dinner table. They said, okay. So it came time for the dinner table, and they were all sitting there, and they said, it is time for our prayer. And he bowed his head, and he said, Harold... I want to thank you for this food and everything else that's here. And the parents were sort of aghast. And they said, hey, who are you talking to? And he said, God. He said, you called him Harold. He said, that's his name. Well, where did you get that? And he said, well, in prayers this morning when you, the congregation said it together, it was, Father who art in heaven, Harold be thy name. Now, the reason for this story is I want you to realize that sometimes we can not only listen clearly and get a thought process going about something that really we aren't applying the right way, that is, to ourselves. And that's part of the thing about this parable today that we're going to be looking at. But first, before we actually read the parable which, if you have your Bible, is the 22nd chapter of Matthew. I'm going to flip over one page and look at the 21st chapter. The 21st chapter of Matthew is very important. It starts out with Jesus coming into Jerusalem. I'm not going to be reading all that, by the way. But he's coming into Jerusalem, riding on the back of a donkey, a colt, that had never been ridden before. And this is a status symbol for a conquering hero coming back in, and this is what they were placing him as, the conquering hero, the Messiah, to rule out the Roman Empire. They were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, Lord, Hosanna. In fact, <laughs> we have on one wall of our house a mural that's painted and it says, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, Lord. And I think that's very important. 
Well, Jesus, as he was coming in on riding on the donkey, colt, he goes into the temple and he is very upset at the temple because there's money changers in there. There's, there's people selling pigeons and other animals so that they can have the sacrifice made. In other words, there was a profit being made in the temple by these people, by these merchants. Jesus, we have this term, he cleans, cleansed the temple. He knocked over the tables. He told the people to get out. He yelled and said, this is not how you treat God's temple. Okay. He made a real impression on the people because the priest and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they said, by what authority do you do this? How can you think that you can do a thing like this? And he said to them, if you will answer my question, I'll answer your question. They said, okay. And he asked them, by what authority is John's baptism? Is it of heaven or is it of human origin? <laughs> they didn't answer. They were afraid to answer because they knew that if they said it was of heaven, he would have said to them, why are you ignoring it? Why are you turning your back on God again? If they had said it was of human origin, the people would have revolted. They would have caused a scene. And so they were afraid and did not answer his question. So he said to them, I'm not going to answer your question. I'm not going to tell you what my authority is. So he gave two parables, short parables at this time. The parable of the two sons where one asks for his inheritance ahead of time and goes out and wastes it and then comes home and how he's treated. And then also the parable of the tenants, the people renting the vineyards and how they treated the representative of the owner and what happened to them. They were cast out and the so he said to them after he had that parable, what would happen to these people that did not pay their rent? And the priests and the Pharisees said, they'll be cast out and some will be given to someone else. And Jesus said, have you not read the scriptures? And this is in the 20, uh, it's in the... Uh, Excuse me, the 42nd verse of the 21st chapter. I want to read this one to you. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And the Lord has done this. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom, and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. Well, the priests and the Pharisees knew he was talking about them. He knew that, they knew that he was saying to them, 
You need to pay attention. You need to understand the scriptures and see what this word is. But they got upset. They got angry. And there they started plans to get him arrested so they could get rid of him. And that's where it all began that last week. Jesus then said to them this parable, and I'm going to read 20, this chapter 22, verses 2 through 14. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been, in, had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. He, then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those who I invited do not deserve to come. So go into the street, the corners, and invite the banquet to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding garments. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding garments, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, take him hand and foot and tie him and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. What I want to do is look at it first from the point of view of those that were hearing him the very first time on this parable, the priests and the Pharisees. Well, first off, the thing we notice is he had already invited these people to come to the banquet. He told them months in advance, my son's going to get married and in a certain time of the year, I'm going to have this wedding banquet for him and you are invited. So he sent out his servants and said to them, hey, it's time. Tell them to come to the banquet. And they refused. Now, the Pharisees and the priests knew that they had had many times in their history in the nation of Israel that God had spoken to them 
and they turned their back on him. They didn't listen. They ignored what was taking place. Well, he actually sent another time of servants out. Tell them that the calf has been slaughtered, the oxen has been butchered, the meal is being prepared and it is ready and come now to the wedding banquet. Well, here again, they refused. Again, the history of the Israelites shows that they refused many times. The priests and the Pharisees should have known this, should have realized this, what was going on. The king was very frustrated. So he sent out the servants again, but they were ignored. One went to do his farming. One went to his business. The others grabbed the servants mistreated them and killed them. Now, if you read Elijah, the first chapter of it, you find that Elijah says that other prophets of God's word were murdered. So it is something that had taken place many times in the history of Israel. So he was giving them a history lesson Tell them what they had done, shaming them in a way, if you want to look at it that way, that they had done this and refused God's invitation. Now, this thing about the king sending his army to destroy them may actually be referring to the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD where it was sacked by the Romans, completely wiped out. It was going to happen because they were refusing the servant that told them about the banquet that they killed. Oh, by the way, we know that they killed Jesus. Then something inconceivable was happening. The king sent out his servants to ask everyone that they could find to come to the wedding banquet. And it was inconceivable because these people were of another group, another class. They weren't worthy of being in the king's presence. But that's who the king went and had them ask. It says the bad and the good. There was no distinction. There was no separation. They were all asked. The wedding banquet was full. The king comes in and he's very happy that the banquet is full. That all, wait a minute. Here's this gentleman sitting over here. He doesn't have the wedding garment on. Now, stop. Let's look at that a little bit. Wedding garment. Oh, you say, well, you know, he was asked off the street. Yes, but the king would furnish to those that came in some sort of garment, maybe a, a robe, maybe a shawl, something that would highlight the purpose that they're there to celebrate the son's wedding. But he saw him there without that wedding garment on. Evidently, the man just refused. 
And he said, why are you not wearing your wedding garment, friend? Now that term used there, and also when Jesus spoke to Judas at the Last Supper, he said, friend, go and do what you have to do. It's not a term of endearment. So the king was very, very upset. Had him bound by the attendants and cashed out where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the Pharisees and the priests knew that this was referring to eternal damnation. Jesus said, many are invited, but few attend. Sort of like today. Now, we step back and stop looking at the Pharisees and the priests. We have to look at this with the logic of today. And, and here's something. I, it's, when I think about logic, I think about a situation that happened in our family many years ago. My brother, when he was about five years old, he would come up with these jokes that defied logic. And one of his favorite jokes, and I cannot get it out of my mind, it comes into my life every once in a while, is what's purple and go slam, 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 slam. You know, don't you? Well, it's a four-door grape, okay? That was my brother's logic. The type of things that he was bringing home and talking. You know, at five years old, I can understand it, but it was Tommy's jokes. Tommy jokes. What I want us to do is look at this parable with pure logic as how it affects us. Okay, we know that the invitation goes out continually. And even right here in Arthur, people are walking the streets or driving up and down that know about God, or at least they use his name mostly in vain. They know about Jesus, because they use his name not the right way. But they are not accepting the invitation. That's going on right now, just out the door. We don't have to look at other countries for it, but it's right here in this nation. Continually, he has sent out messengers saying that his time is coming, it is close, it is time for us, for you, to attend the wedding banquet. And remember, Jesus is the groom, the church is the bride. Besides in those invitations, there are people being killed now because they are speaking for God. 
they are taking, taking his word out to the public, but they're being killed. And you think about other countries. Well, wait a minute. Don't go that far. This country still reacts that way. And people that speak God's word in certain arenas are mistreated, even killed. Okay, here comes the part that gets a little personal. He says to his servants, go out and ask anybody Who's one of the servants? Anybody dare to raise their hand? We are the servants. We, you and I, are the servants that need to take this word out. And it doesn't matter who it take, take it to, the bad and the good, it needs to be given to everyone. That's our job. So we get the wedding banquet filled. We did a good job of inviting people. But there's that one guy sitting over here that doesn't have the wedding garment on. Okay, I told you in the first part that the king furnished wedding garment. What's the wedding garment that's being furnished now? What was the thing that was given to the apostles on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And Jesus, in what we call the Great Commission, commanded that his message be taken out and people be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what I'm seeing here in our life, that Holy Spirit is our garment. It may be a shawl, it may be a coat, however you feel about it. It is the garment that we need to be wearing. Now, here comes the part that scares me. I've been given the garment. But somewhere along the line, I turn away from it. I don't follow the guidance of that Holy Spirit. I don't look upon it as being a guide to my life. I can look back in my life and I know that the Holy Spirit has had many things happen to me. At the age of 12, and I don't know where the young people are, I see a couple in there, but at the age of 12, I personally made the decision to dedicate my life to Christ 
and take him as my personal Savior. And I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Well, as a high school, I was planning on going to uh, Eastern, and I was planning on going out for baseball, and I was going to shine because I thought I had a lot of talent playing baseball, and I was going to get drafted and play on the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, it didn't happen. <laughs> the Holy Spirit led me a different way. There came a time that was so heavy on my heart that I had to dedicate my life to serving Jesus and taking his message out. I went to Lincoln Christian College, graduated from there, uh, went into the ministry and served in several different churches, Oklahoma, here in Illinois, local, not local. My last ministry, well, my last ministry, I was sort of retired. And uh, I had a business selling hearing aids in Tuscola. That's my home, by the way. I had this business selling hearing aids, and I, the, it was there at the Jarman Center, and of course it was a retirement center at that time. It's changing hands right now. It was a retirement center, and I had this lady come in, and she was very distraught because her husband had passed, and she was missing him. I counseled her talked to her and got her settled down and let her see that there was more to life that she needed to embrace. Fine. Didn't think much about it because that was a job that I needed to do as a pastor. A month or two later on, she came in to me and she says, I found you a church. That was my reaction, <laughs> but I didn't laugh out loud. I said, oh, yeah, what, what are you talking about? And she told me about Zion up here, north of town, that had let their minister go, and they were needing a minister. I said, well, who do I contact? Well, I contacted who is now the mayor, Rod, and... We made contact, and I served that church for about eight years. I'm still going back there once a month right now. But what I'm saying is the Spirit led me back into the full-time ministry for a while. I have to follow the Holy Spirit, and it will guide you. It will guide you when you go out and to talk to your friends, your neighbors, the people you work with, family members that have not accepted him or don't know him, whoever it is, he will guide you and give you the opportunity when you open your hearts and say, let me serve you. Let me wear the garment. Let me be guided by the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit is God's word. It speak to us, speaks to us so plainly that we cannot miss what is said, but the Lord speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. When that opportunity arises in your life, now, first off, you might think, well, I can't preach. Okay, you don't have to. The Holy Spirit led me a certain way because of my, well, I don't know why he led me this way. Because basically, I'm an introvert. I'd rather be at home reading a book. I'd rather be out in the woods by myself, sitting in a tree, waiting for the deer to come by. But he won't let me. The Holy Spirit won't let me because I have opened up to it. I dare you. I dare you to open up to it. Don't be like that man that's not wearing a garment and be cast out where there's gnashing of teeth and weeping. Don't, be, don't go to hell. I guess that's the easy way of saying it. Don't let that happen to you. The Holy Spirit will speak to each one of you. It may be through music. It may be through a helping hand. It may be through when someone is down and crying and their soul needs love or a hug, it may be that way. Each of us, when we open to the Holy Spirit and let the word of God guide us, it will open. Do not, do not be afraid to take that step for Jesus says at the end of this parable, many are invited, but few are chosen. Best way to be chosen? Wear the garment for the wedding, the garment of the Holy Spirit. Would you bow with me, please? Father, at this time we have opened your word and looked at it and realized that it speaks to us not just to the priests and the Pharisees but it speaks to us and I pray that it speaks to each person individually personally that they can see the need to step out and follow the word and will of the Holy Spirit, which is the voice of God. We pray this, and we ask that you guide our hearts in this day and for the rest of our lives. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. I guess you're dismissed. <laughs> <laughs>